I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, NFL draft is gone time, focus now on baseball time. Well, there's there's also recruiting time, off-season workouts time, plenty of football things going on time, also hoops recruiting, always a thing with Barnes time, plenty to discuss time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a warm, cloudy May Monday afternoon here at Fort Rucker Studio, just a couple miles away as the crow flies there from Neyland Stadium, Thompson Bowling Arena, downtown Knoxville, the University of Tennessee campus. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope everything was good for you this weekend. Hope you got everything you needed out of your weekend done this weekend. And I know w- without as many vols to, to focus on in the NFL draft, maybe there wasn't quite as much to focus on over the weekend. But, uh, hey, at least the Cubs are still bad at baseball, right? That's that's unfortunate. I work with a lot of Braves fans, too, and at least they're also struggling right now. Although they should be good and they're not good, the, the Cubs should be not good and they're not good. And, and why did I mention the location of my my location for this podcast? Because we're going to go cross town to an undisclosed location to speak to the one, the only Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location. Pat, what's going on, man? Yeah, the, the Braves are only good when they play the Cubs. That's very, very true. That if, is so very true. <laughs> we're, so that's that's the issue. It's uh, They played the Cubs last week and won three of four. So that's set five of seven against the Cubs and then. I get swept by the Blue Jays, and it's like, do we play the Cubs again this year? No? Crap. All right. Got to be honest, I am really, really glad that I did not make my first post-COVID game uh, one of those games because uh, I thought about that, and then I was like, you know, it's bad enough that I work with Brace fans, and I got to hear it no matter what, but if I'm in the stadium, I imagine that would be about tenfold, so I'm glad that I did not do that. But, Pat, how is your Monday going so far? Uh, it's good. It was a busy weekend um, with the uh, the draft. Have, have had a lot of draft coverage squeezed uh, a lot out of it, even though Tennessee had just two guys drafted with Josh Palmer going in the third round and Trey Smith sliding to the sixth round. Um, but I, I've said this before. I love the draft. I would probably watch it if Tennessee, even if I didn't do this, I probably would at least keep an eye on it um, and watch the first two nights of it. But um but it, I guess it's quote unquote work now for me. So, you know, it's kind of two birds with one stone. Yeah. It's uh, they always say that, uh, you know, you shouldn't be a pig who goes where you eat, but in this business um, that's not true at all because uh, we get to, we get to do something that a lot of people love and, and we get to call it a job. So it's, uh, it's, and, it's pretty, and it's pretty not, awesome. It, and it's also uh, to me, it's just cool to see like, where some of the guys that, that you see on other teams play. Right. So like, you know, uh, you know, we see Kyle Trask go in the second round and Kellen Mond in the fourth. And I'm like, I probably think Kellen Mond was a better quarterback than Kyle Trask, uh, things like that. And then you see guys like uh, Jordan Smith at UAB who, I mean, Tennessee couldn't even block him that game two years ago and he gets drafted. I mean, yeah, I think he went on the second night. So you get to see stuff like that. Um, and then of course the NFL network does a great job. I don't know why anybody else watches any other draft coverage than there. Charles, Charles Davis, VFL, does a great job. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, those guys have really good chemistry. Rich Eisen's really funny. They make it entertaining, especially on that third day when it's like, I mean, you're what you're, you're sitting there for five, six hours as the 
fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds roll by, and they don't announce every pick, so you you kind of have to like kind of halfway pay attention. Yeah, stump, stump the uh, stump the truck is great. Rich Rich Eisen's forty run is great. I mean, all yeah, that. normally they do the forty run at the combine, but there was no combine this year. Uh, and the fa- the fascinating part, stump the truck, is when they try to pick out players and see if their production truck has film of them. Um, and usually they're pulling out like division two guys, division three guys, uh, or, um, you know, punters, you know, they, they pulled out a punter and, and they had pro day footage of this dude punting in New Mexico. They didn't have Brandon Kennedy though. And Charles Davis was not thrilled. I don't know if you saw the segment, uh, heard he about it, first. heard about it, did not see it, but I heard, about uh, it. I, I legit thought Charles was about to get up and walk off the set because, he was like, let's go Brandon Kennedy. And he was talking about Brandon Kennedy because, you know, Brandon's got several degrees, two masters. He was a finalist for the uh, the Campbell Trophy this past year, which is uh, the top academic honor in college football. It's yeah. the, athletic, uh, the academic Heisman. It's, it's a big deal. Called. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and then they, they pulled out, like, somebody from Saginaw Valley State and Adam State, and they had footage of him, and he was like, <laughs> he was not happy. Uh, didn't, didn't, then they ended this. Didn't they do the same thing to to Pig Howard a couple years ago? Yeah, I think they did. And uh, of course, they ended the segment this year with, uh, with Charles's own Tennessee highlights. So that was always good. Yeah, the uh, uh, you know on a completely different topic before we get into the draft, Pat. You know what made my Monday so awesome? Here, here is something you got to go through sixteen college baseball polls to see where Tennessee is ranked. Uh, no, but I did do that, and I will uh, unveil that here in a second. I've done my weekly investigation of the 1,800 college baseball polls that are out there. But uh, I recently, um, people who are members of Go Balls 24-7 and are on the checkerboard know that I, I, uh, I love my gardening. I'm, I, I'm a very manly gardener. I take it very seriously. And one of my greenhouses recently got uh, like, like a, something fell down like from a storm or something. There was a little hole in one of the, in one of the greenhouses, and so I ordered a replacement um, you know, top for the greenhouse, but I guess I had it under warranty. So they sent me an entire new greenhouse. So if I can put together, if I can fix the hole that's in the, the first one, I will go from having four to five greenhouses and my wife will be furious and I will be thrilled, um, because I can grow even more uh, vegetables and flowers and such now. So that, that, that's, what's making my Monday really great. Is this where I go? Cool story, Wes. Yeah, that's basically where you go. Cool story, Wes. Cool story, Wes. But that's uh, that's that's awesome. Hey, I I offer everyone every year. Everyone's got the kiddos. They want them in the backyard. You know, I I grow the stuff that will keep the mosquitoes out of the yard. The Ramies have been taking advantage of that service for years. You should look into that. I'm telling you. Well, we we just got in the got in the kids business, so we're. So there you go. When you need some, citron- we're still figuring it out. When you need some citronella stuff, when you need some marigolds to keep those skeeters away, buddy, I got you. All organic. I only organic stuff that I use here at the house. All the stuff, all the vegetables, all the fruit, all the uh, all of it, pure organic. You know why? Uh, because I am a hippie, and that is how I choose to live my life. Pat, on to the football. Um, actually, before we do that, I'll mention the baseball real quick because I usually mention that first, and then we get that out of the way, and then we clear the deck for the football. Uh, Tennessee did go two and two last week with one shocking midweek loss to Lipscomb, which you just don't see. You didn't expect from this team, but when you look at it, every college baseball team, this happens to them every year. They lose a couple of midweek games where you go, how the hell did that happen? Well, one of those happened to Tennessee last week, uh, but then the Vols took care of business against Kentucky over the weekend, uh, did not sweep, but won two of the three games against the Wildcats, which uh, is a good weekend for Tennessee. So the Vols go 2-2 two and two last week, um, but they did win the SEC series. Check this out, Pat. This is their sixth SEC series win of the season in seven tries. Uh, it's been 2005 since they've won six SEC series in a season, and they've still got three SEC series to go this year. So if that does not underscore just how important it is for Tennessee to throw every bit of money imaginable at Tony Vitello while it can uh, and – give him facility upgrades while it can to prevent him from going to an A&M or an LSU or somewhere else in the offseason because this guy could be national coach of the year. And this guy is due for a big raise, and this guy is young. This guy is a tenacious, excellent recruiter, a really good coach in game. Uh, He's a guy who a lot of people, they're going to have him at the top of their list if they can go get a new coach in the offseason. So Tennessee needs to take advantage of this. While it can, I know that money is a little bit difficult at times right now, moving stuff around, COVID, all these things. But um, 
Tennessee's got to take care of Tony Vitello. That guy has just completely um, given a rebirth to the, to the Tennessee baseball program. That is a big deal. Um, but here's the poll updates. Tennessee in the USA Today coaches poll uh, fell from fourth to sixth. Uh, in the D1 baseball poll, Tennessee fell only one spot to fifth from fourth. Uh, in the collegiate baseball poll, Tennessee stayed in the sixth spot. Baseball America, Tennessee uh, actually went up one spot from seven to six. So despite going two and two, the Vols went up in the one poll that has been tougher on them than everybody else all year. Uh, the 11.7 poll, they stayed in the fourth spot. And uh, in the official NCAA RPI, they went down from fifth to seventh. Uh, the National College Baseball Writers Association poll, that comes out a little bit later on Mondays, so they haven't updated that one yet. So we'll see where Tennessee falls there. But Tennessee's right in line uh, to host not just a regional, but maybe a super regional. That would be a huge deal. That is a huge, huge benefit to teams trying to get to Omaha. So uh, congratulations to Tony Vitello and his crew. Hopefully Connor Pavoloni, the future uh, high-round pit catcher, can get his broken hand um, kind of healed up a little bit, although Jackson Greer, Knoxville zone, has been doing a great job filling in for him. I believe he had three home runs in his first three SEC starts, which is a cool story. You don't see that very often. Uh, plus, when you hear him speak, he sounds exactly like our former coworker Danny Parker, and I freaking love that. He sounds exactly like beef when he talks. That is that is awesome. So there's your Tennessee baseball update for the week, and now on to the draft. Pat, um, before we talk about the specifics of it, were you surprised at all? Did, did anything from um, maybe Josh Palmer going when he did to maybe Trey Smith going when he did uh, a little bit later than expected uh, by most, um, Bryce Thompson not being picked, uh, to this point, Brandon Kennedy not being offered a contract that we know of as a, as a free agent, not yet anyway. Anything of that surprise you? Uh, I was a little surprised by um, Trey Smith's drop. Uh, I, we'll start off on Palmer. I, I, I kind of thought he would go Friday night. Um, and, and I think it's easy – uh, if you could get past the the low production, because he never went over 500 yards, he never um, in a season. He never, I think, I think four touchdowns is the most he ever had in a season, um, and he only had one 100 yard game. So you look at the numbers and you think this guy, you know, is, is you know, you wouldn't think he's a third rounder. But if you watch him, um, and, and he showed up a lot on on film last season. Uh, I think I think Palmer did a great job of getting himself on the NFL radar. I know Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl, the executive director, was a big fan of him coming out of his junior season in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think Palmer got himself on the radar going into his senior season. And you look at his senior season, he had, you know, he had three touchdowns against Georgia and Alabama, right? I mean, he caught a touchdown against Tyson Campbell, who was the first pick of the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and the DJ Janel, who didn't get drafted, but was a you know mid round pick, mid to late round pick on a lot of projections, and then he caught one on Patrick Sertan, who was the number ten overall pick in the draft. So um, you make those plays that will get that'll get you on some people, you know that'll get some people's attention. Uh, and he had other other games where I mean he had NFL level routes, NFL level catches against good secondaries. I mean, South Carolina had some guys drafted. He had some good, good plays in that game. Same goes to Missouri. They had two safeties drafted, I think. Um, and then Florida as well. So, you know, it, it as team and, and listen to Brandon Staley, who's the, the coach of the Chargers. He was actually a, a graduate assistant uh, on Derek Dooley's staff in 2012. Crazy as that sounds. He's mm-hmm. not like the Chargers. It's, it's um, crazy that, how things go. Sometimes that 2012 staff, uh, Derek Dooley. I mean, you look at where those guys are now; it's pretty crazy. Yeah, people t- turn out. People talk about the one hire he made that was a bad hire with Sunseri, but they forget that he also made a lot of good hires. And in, in fairness, yeah. Uh, and so you know, th- you know, Derek Ansley is out there now with the Chargers too. So they sort of had an inside track. But you know, Staley's a defensive guy, he's a defensive coordinator with the Rams last season. He was probably watching a lot of defensive back film, um, getting ready for this draft. And you see Palmer's you know, show up quite a bit, uh, you know, with some of these guys. So, uh, in some of these games, so, you know, in that sense, I wasn't really surprised. And then he had a really good senior bowl, right? So mm-hmm. that, that sort of validated, you know, a lot of teams got to see, got to talk to him in person, which is, you know, was sort of limited this year again because of COVID, but they got a, you know, they got a chance to meet with him there, talk to him, see the kind of kid he is. He's a great kid. We all know this recovering him. Um, and he, uh, 
it, you know, that week was really good and and getting separation, really technical on his routes, um, and, and that was what made him attractive as as a third round pick. And I think it's a good fit for him. Um, and, and like a lot of people, I'm interested to see what he does with with, with a competent quarterback, and not just a competent quarterback, but a you know a stud quarterback and, and Justin Herbert, who's the yes. training offensive rookie of the year. So um, it was easy to point to Palmer's production and. Uh, you know, say that Tennessee's quarterback messiness was a big reason why the numbers didn't jump off the page. And then they also played three years with two guys that are in the NFL right now. So uh, and it's not like Tennessee was running 85 plays a game like they're about to. So not a lot of volume to go around the first couple of years of his career, but he made enough plays to sort of get on the radar and he kind of did the rest from there. He, uh, I think he'll do well. Um, he's in a good situation because he's going to be learning from Keenan Allen, who's uh, a veteran who's, who's had a lot of success in the NFL. Yeah, pro's pro. He's a pro's pro. Uh, and Mike Williams, who going into a contract here, the former first round pick out of Clemson, and, and maybe maybe Palmer's a long term, you know, replacement for for Williams, who's a, a big bodied kind of fifty fifty ball guy. But um, I, I wasn't really that surprised that Palmer went Friday night. Um, and with Trey, I, I was sort of surprised, but also you kind of understand it, right? I mean, the NFL is very hesitant with these medical situations. That was obviously the reason he slid the will the way he did. Um, you kind of didn't expect it because, you know, talking to Trey and listening to Trey talk in the lead up to the draft, you never got any sense that he was worried about it, right? And that could be posturing, but still, it's smart. And you know, and, and he had reason to be confident because you know he's barely missed a snap the past two seasons, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't had any blood clot issues since 2018, um, and so and played at you know an all SEC level the past two seasons. So, you know, if you're him, you have reason to think that it's not going to be an issue. And, and he was, you know, a top 100 guy, a lot of places projected second, third round pick. Uh, I thought he would come off the board Friday night and he probably would come off even earlier than that, potentially, if he was, it didn't have the health issue. But um, as Saturday kind of dragged on, you, you started to wonder, is this guy going to slide all the way out of the draft because of the medical situation? Uh, and, and there was a rumor floating out there and I, I heard it a couple of places, but I didn't. I didn't know if I told. I didn't know at the time if I totally bought it, but I think it probably turned out to be true the way things played out. Uh, and the rumor was that only one team cleared him medically. And it was the Chiefs, right? So, and they're the team that drafted him. So uh, that that sort of gives some validity to that possibility. But um, around the fifth round, you know, you started kind of hearing. I started kind of hearing that, wondering about it, and I was kind of looking, you know, because once you get to that point of the draft, it's kind of you just never know, right? Uh, it's kind of a crapshoot. It's not a big crapshoot as the second round of the NBA draft, but still. Um, and, and I was kind of looking. I was like, okay, what teams might pick him? If the Kansas City thing is true, all right, they've got one pick left at the end of the sixth round. Maybe they take him there. And then I kind of looked at the Giants because, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's there. Maybe yeah. he'll throw his guy a bone. I thought about the Giants, um, too. I thought about the Giants a lot. And they had – their pick came and went. And so um, – but, you know, it's for, – for the Chiefs, it's really low risk, potentially high reward move to get him in – sixth round you're getting the top 100 player you're getting one of the best guards in the class um and you're getting him now with he's going to be pissed off and ready to tear people's heads off when he gets on the field uh, over there in kansas city and um and, and so you know if he if he stays healthy i mean he, i i tell you, it, it's hard to see him not going on in the nfl and having a, a good career and i know everyone will say oh he's a six round pick all this, that, and the other. How much money did he cost himself? I don't. I don't know that that, that was the case. You know, I, I think I don't think his play cost him. I think it would have been. I think, I think it would have been an issue last year, also, probably. If we're well, that, and that's that's the reason he came back is, is he wanted to show that that you know get further away from the issue with no new issues arising, and also show that the medical plan that he was on was more sustainable. And, and he got to practice more this past season. I think he practiced pretty regularly after he, he was barely doing any full contact stuff. Uh, during the 2019 season when he showed he didn't even really need to practice because he still was an all-SEC player. And, and some would say he was better uh, for stretches of 2019 than he was in 2020. So, um, and, and, you know, I, I, again, I, for, for the, you know, both those guys ended up in good situations. I think Palmer is going to be uh, a big part of that offense with, uh, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, I think he gives them another weapon. I think that's, that pick made sense for the Chargers because you've got, you got the franchise quarterback now, right? Herbert. Um, now you need to give him guys to help him out. And uh, with Trey, obviously the Chiefs, you know, credit to them for doing their homework and doing their research on on, on Trey's medical situation. And, and they, if you anybody watched the Super Bowl knows that they need help on the offensive line. And so 
Uh, they've addressed it with some free agent guys. And then, um, you know, they traded for Orlando Brown, right? And then they, they took Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. I think we're both training together down in uh, Texas. That is correct. Uh, that is correct. I with, Duke, with, with Duke Mannyweather and, and his group. So um, Trey will have a familiar face there. And both those guys will be uh, going against each other in the AFC West. With Bryce Thompson, I kind of thought he might slide out. He wasn't really in any mocks, um, any of the, of the multi-round mocks going into the draft. Uh, I think he was probably talented enough to be a late round guy, you know, but they're, you know, only three years of tape. He obviously had some off the field deal, you know, situations while he's here. Didn't turn out to be anything big here, but it's enough to make the NFL and, and, you know, whether the NFL really takes some of that stuff seriously, that's, you know, well, a lot of teams do. Another debate, the, but the, I think the Titan, for, for the Titans, a draft purpose. The Titans, not necessarily in some cases, it seems. They seem to be like they seem to be like a red flag. Perfect. That's great. We, we only take yeah. red flag guys. That's that's their right. policy, I, I think. Yeah, that, that was you – know, Ryan said that a couple times this past week. Ryan Callahan, our, our coworker who, who sucks. We can talk bad about him because yes. he's not here. Sucks. Um, Jiffin himself. But uh, he said the Titans love their red flag guys, so they take Caleb Farley, who's, you know – huge red flag but uh or you know he had some red flags too but anyways and then the, the evans uh, and then the evans stuff comes out today also it's like ugh. yeah so the uh yeah so but bryce is going to new orleans and i mean based on recent history he's going to be a hit there because that worked out for shy tuttle and marcos calloway so yeah. but those guys went undrafted and um you know still gone on to make so far a nice you know NFL career for themselves. Obviously, Callaway just played one year, but uh, you know Thompson's got a, an example to follow because Justin Coleman and, and Emmanuel Mosley weren't drafted, and they've gone on to make a lot of money and have a lot of success playing in the NFL. So, um, it, it, if you were if you were Thompson, I think you were hoping that your your talent, your upside, because you've only played three years as a defensive back, really uh, would would get you drafted, but. Um, and a lot of and a lot of times, and a lot of people like to say, you know, if a guy goes early and doesn't get picked, or the guy slides in the draft for whatever reason, you know, you know, this, that, and the other, they cost themselves money. In the NFL, it's about your second contract, right? Yep. I mean, Alvin Kamara is a great example. He was a third round pick. I think his first, I think his rookie contract was worth maybe like four or five million. Dude something, something went out like and balled out, and now he just signed a five year, seventy five million dollar deal. <laughs> yeah. So, and has all these endorsements on top of it. So. You know, Zach Fulton's a great example for for Trey because obviously he didn't have the medical stuff, but he was a six round pick of the Chiefs back in 2014. Probably didn't make anything on his first on his first contract, but then he goes and gets the big money deal from the Texans, and he's a starter. Uh, pretty, he's a starter in the league, right? And he's been a starter for going on seven eight years. So uh, that that'll be the the focus for those guys. But um, but yeah, so well, yeah, I'll I'll work in descending order there. Um, I think. Bryce Thompson, I'm not surprised for three reasons. Um, one, the uh, somewhat lack of, of tape in some ways because missed some time. Uh, but, but the two bigger things were, um, were obviously the, the red flags, which um, for a lot of teams it is an issue uh, because they're getting more sensitive to those things. Uh, but then the third thing is it, he's just not like a six-foot, six-one corner. And, and so not that that's a deal breaker, but when you combine the red flags with the lack of great size for the position that you want nowadays with all these jumbo receivers and everything, I think that combination of things made people think like, okay, if we're going to go take a risk on someone in the draft with a red flag, they're going to be a physical freak. They're going to be a yeah, guy and that's, that, that's a good point on him. Cause, but I do think he's an uh, NFL player. I, want, I 100% believe Bryce Thompson is an NFL player. I just yeah, think he I mean, has, he's going to have to go prove it. I think he's probably more of an inside guy at the NFL, right? Like probably. you said, he doesn't have he doesn't have the huge strength. He doesn't have the length. You know, I think he weighed in at five ten and a half, one hundred eighty two pounds. I think at pro day. Yeah, that's, he, did, he that's, tested fine, that's, but he that's didn't test nickel corner size a little bit. If you if you're going to be that that size, you you better you better be running and and jumping really high and and all that stuff and. Or or, yeah, or or have like honey badger tape where you're just affecting you're getting a turnover like almost every game. Right, and you know Bryce ran a four five two, uh, jumped thirty four inches on the vertical, ten on the broad. Those are good numbers, but you know for his situation, he probably needed to run low four fours and have you know a few more inches on his jumps to be. You know there were some other guys in in, in the SEC 
particularly the top two guys, I think J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan, who were just tested ridiculously well. And I think that also was a reason that, that maybe Bryce didn't get didn't get drafted. But again, as we pointed out, that's not necessarily a death knell for his for yeah. his pro for his pro prospects. I agree. And with Trey, uh, I'm not really surprised. I would like to say that I'm surprised, but. Um, when you're talking about a serious medical issue like that, I know he's played the past couple of years, but it is a very um, sort of – he would like to say that it's not, but from the outside looking in, and, and, and none of us are doctors, from the outside looking in, it's a dangerous situation, and that is a liability issue potentially for NFL teams because they're dealing now with people, you know, talking about the CTE stuff and do you care about these guys at all and yada, yada, yada. You're not paying some of the guys that are injured with some stuff, you know, Back then, I mean, there, there's some there's some things going on behind the scenes there with the NFL, the NFLPA, and, and I think that in the fan, the fans in general, um, the, the 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 media apparatus, everything, and so I think that probably played into some of it. So I'm not really surprised, um, but I, I I'll say this once very clearly, and then I'll move on. Uh, bet against Trey Smith at your own peril. Uh, that guy is an unbelievable character. He's a fantastic football player. Um, just a just a everything you want. Uh, a young man to be, and, and I think he will find a way. If his health will allow him, he will find a way. And I am not surprised um, at all with Josh Palmer because um, I'm not very smart, but I said from his freshman year on, this guy's an NFL player. He looks like one. Yes, he's dropping passes right now, but look at the plays he can make. Uh, he can make plays that a lot of other guys his size just cannot make. Uh, his his ability to tightrope the sideline, to bring the ball in, to get feet down, to extend, you know, drives. He he can make big plays. And if he played in a in a competent passing game, I think he would have been a thousand yard receiver twice. Actually I believe if he had played in a more competent passing game and he had not had to play with Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, I'm not even sure he would have had a senior season. Because I that that I think I don't think Josh Palmer is ever going to be an NFL number one receiver, but I think he's going to be a hell of a number two wide receiver in the NFL. And I think he's going to be a guy who's going to make some good money in that league. And I think he's going to be a guy that, that whoever has him is going to be happy to have him. And I like that he's going to the Chargers because I know some people at Oregon who will who could write a book the length of the Iliad or the Odyssey about how much they love Justin Herbert and how much how just how awesome of a young dude he is. And I think Josh Palmer's kind of in that same mold personality wise. And I think they'll get along really, really well. And I think that'll be a good fit for him. So yeah, um, that's, I, I like, I liked Herbert coming out of Oregon. I know he had some detractors, but I always thought he looked like a pretty good NFL quarterback coming uh, before he got to the NFL. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of money, Palmer, Palmer's going to make some nice change right off the bat. Yes, he is. And he'll need he, it. Uh, he'll, he'll need it being in LA. <laughs> he will need it. <laughs> Yeah, I think his rookie deal is worth a little more than $5 million over the four years. And his signing bonus, which is the only part that's guaranteed, um, he got he got seven figures, just over a million. I think if he had gone two picks later, it would have it would have gone into the six figures. So uh, it's a nice tax bracket to be in if you can get it. That is nice. That is nice. And I guess we, we should say overall, it's not – what does it say, Pat? We, we knew going into to this season, and this was even before – I mean, it's crazy to think about – Tennessee going from the six game winning streak to everything falling apart. And we don't need to rehash that. But, but even when we thought Tennessee would not be a three and seven football team going into this season, we said pretty clearly that the most talented players on the team, generally speaking, were the younger guys. So this wasn't going to be a huge draft for Tennessee anyway, because a lot of the guys who left via the portal were the more talented guys who you might see drafted pretty early on next year and things like that. That's where the bulk of Tennessee's draftable talent was. So it's not much of a surprise to me anyway, and I don't think to you, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll ask you, not much of a surprise that Tennessee had a quiet draft. No, I mean, going into it, they only had four guys that were in this draft class. Usually, you know, in a, in a regular year where seniors don't don't get to come back because of COVID, they would have had, you know, this was a pretty big senior class, right? I mean, it was up, upwards of 20 guys. Uh, about half of them left to go play their other year elsewhere, and the other half is still here. So uh, that normally wouldn't have been the case. I don't know if any of those guys would have been drafted. Um, just looking at who they have in this. Uh, uh, a couple of them would extended, have been – they'd have been camp guys or free agent guys. Yeah, you know, I, you know, 
Yeah, I think Matthew Butler maybe was a guy that might have gotten a late round look. Um, you know, I think Bayless Jones will be a guy that'll benefit from getting to come back a year. Uh, I, yeah, I think I, he'll get I, to put up I, some big been, numbers. I think he'll run well. I've always been high on Middleton as a prospect if he can get his head squared on straight. Well, that if yeah, he I can mean, get his head squared on yeah. straight because he's you don't see <laughs> a lot. Big if it is, it's a big if, but you don't see a lot of like six, seven, six, eight guys that can kind of move and push around like that. And I think that's something that translates to any level of football. So. If he could get his head squared on, I think he could have a future in this game, but he, the window's shrinking to do that. Yeah, and, and if you're looking ahead to the 2022 draft, uh, Cade Mays has already been on like five or six first-round mocks, so he's he's the top of the guy. Um, I would throw Butler on there. I'd throw Bayless on there. Mm-hmm. I'd probably throw Alante Taylor as a possibility, but that might be it. I mean, you know, maybe a guy like, you know, I don't want to put too much on anybody, you know. You know, maybe one of these quarterback transfers goes and blows up. I don't know. I mean, it, it's happened, right? I mean, nobody, you know, Zach Wilson was the number two pick in the draft this time last year. You know, Joe Burrow wasn't this all-world guy going into his final season to LSU. So um, there will be some guys that maybe have a chance to play their way into NFL draft consideration next year. But Yeah, my, my, wild, uh, my wild card is still Tyon Evans as a wild card if he, if he goes out there and has a good year. As a Juco well, just, guy. Just give him – just pump him all up, Wes. I said wild card. I said wild card, sir. I said wild card. <laughs> um, but looking at, looking at the SEC, I mean, obviously Bama did what it did, you know, eight in the first 38, which is just ridiculous. They're yeah. playing a different game than everyone else. Yes, they are. Um, Georgia had nine, but they only had, what, one in the first round. Um, Florida had eight. So that, Tennessee's playing those three teams every year. Doesn't say doesn't say a lot about the development going on in Athens. I think we need to be honest about that. Uh, it does. I mean, but if you're Tennessee, you're playing guy, you're playing three teams every year that had 27 guys drafted, almost a third of what the SEC produced. And then, I mean, how Kentucky had six guys drafted. Yeah. I mean, and hey, and they won. They won. They won that game. Not a fluke. Um, Here's another wild know, card there for you, Pat. Kenneth George Jr., there's another wild card for you. We're we're getting really wild here, Wes. Missouri had five. You know who else had five, Wes? Hey, Kenneth, this is a good segue, Ken, right? Ken, Kenneth George has been playing football not for that long. I'm telling you, he's got some ability. I, I don't think he's going to be starting this year, so that's going to be a problem. I agree. Um, you know who else had five draft picks? UCF. There you Shout go. Shout out Josh Eichel. Transition. That's a segue right there. Uh I, I like I said, I pay way too much attention to the draft. So here's a little bit about each of these guys. Uh, first of all, we're off the top. Willie Martinez, really good player development here because uh, three of those five guys were defensive backs. You would think UCF, with all the points they were putting up, would have just wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks getting drafted. So three of their five guys were defensive backs. Um, Richie Grant went in the second round to the Falcons. He was a two-star prospect. Good job, Willie Martinez. Uh, third round pick Aaron Robinson went to the Giants. He uh, was actually a transfer from Alabama, but was mid range. He was like a top 500, 600 player, I think, in the 24 7 sports composite. Transferred to UCF in 2017. So Willie had him for you know all three years. Good job, Willie. Uh, and then Tay Gowan went in the sixth round. He was a guy that slid. I don't really know why. He was a top 100 guy in a lot of projections I saw. Um, went to the Cardinals. He was a low three star out of junior college. Good job, Willie Martinez. Way to develop that guy in an NFL draft pick. The other two guys were receivers. Uh, Jacob Harris went in the fourth round. He, another great story. A guy that uh, I believe played soccer or football, if you will, in high school. Mm-hmm. Played football his senior year. I think he went to Western Kentucky to play soccer. And was like, no, nah, I'm going to UCF and play football. He was their third leading receiver this past season. Big dude at like 6'5", 220, went in the fourth round. Uh, and then Trey Nixon, who – That is a hell of uh, a story, little, by the way. Huh? It's a hell of a story. Yes. Yes, so shout out, uh, shout out Josh Heupel and whoever UCF's wide receivers coach was, uh, and then Trey Nixon went in the seventh round. Probably would have gone higher, but he uh, uh, he was just killing Georgia Tech in their season opener and got hurt. He only played four games last season. Um, I think he ran a four 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 at UCF's pro day. It was an almost transfer, a four star guy. Um, again, probably would have gone higher. So uh, UCF had the same number of guys drafted as Clemson. Now, that would say, well, they only won six games last year. Maybe they just can't win with all that talent. Well, I mean, it's, it's UCF talent, right? Yeah. I mean, they're taking guys that were not highly rated as prospects and, and turning them into draft picks. So maybe that bodes well for the Tennessee's future. I don't know. Um, probably bodes well for their secondary, right? Yeah, it does. And I'll tell you also, um, 
quickly before we move on and go to break here, we probably should mention that two Auburn wide receivers were taken in that draft. So shout out Cody Burns. Yeah, there we go. So they've maybe, I don't think we need to make any bones about this. This is going to be at times a very painful rebuild, I believe. Um, the, the best case scenario is that Tennessee is exciting to watch while going through the tough spots. Because it's like, to me, if you're going to lose some games anyway, you might as well go out there and be exciting. And I think this offense will have some exciting moments. So I think that's fun. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, but I think we need to make no bones about this. This is going to be a tough rebuild, I believe. I don't, think, I don't see how anyone could argue to the contrary, given the state of the roster and the way everything's going. So, um, but if you want to look at that, hey, UCF had five guys taken. There were a couple of uh, a couple more Cody Burns wide receivers are not going to be in the National Football League. So, so they, they've got some guys who can develop some guys. So that's good news. Um, so there's there's something to look forward to there. And I think that's awesome research that you did there, Pat. It's almost like it's almost like we hired you to be the football beat writer for a reason. You know, a good decision, I would say. I think so too. I think that was that that was one of those like high that was one of those um one of those high highly rated prospects that came through and he's producing now. That's the the Bama slash Go Vols twenty four seven way. That's how we do things, guys. We're gonna take a quick break. Uh, step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, uh, in house ads, other fun things. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about a couple other things. Tennessee has more news from the portal, 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 and uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on. So we're gonna take a quick break, come back and discuss that in just one minute, guys. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. Talking Tennessee football. We got a little uh, we got a little baseball intro there in the first segment and got some, some NFL draft news. I uh, got some other it, items of interest discussed. And now in the second segment, uh, we got to go back to the portal, portal, portal. Because uh, Tennessee is um, – we've been saying this for a while – Pat, but it seemed for a while like the portal door was mostly going one way for Tennessee. And and there are still uh, the great mass exodus is still happening. So let's not deny that there are still people leaving. There have been a couple more in the past week or so. Um, you know, Washington and um, Martavius French, a couple of talented young football players have also decided to leave the program. But um, Tennessee's got a couple in also. So you got Caleb Tremblay, the uh, defensive lineman, the big dude from California coming from USC. And then you got Jawan Mitchell, the linebacker from Texas, who led the Longhorns in tackling last season. We, we did do a breaking news episode earlier in the day on Jawan Mitchell, so we don't have to talk quite as much about him. Um, but I guess, Pat, the easiest way to, to, to start it, the conversation is just to say that it's just a new era, man. You know, I mean, the, the, the portal thing, it's going to go in, it's going to go out. We, we've seen some now some post-spring departures, and, you know, I, I, it's just the, the way of the world now. Yeah, we um, as you said, we talked a lot about Juwan Mitchell. He got his own deal. His, uh, that was a, a pretty big deal. It also happened while we were recording this podcast. So, you know, stuff happens. Good. Yes, it did. Just on the yeah. fly. Yes, it did. Uh, um, and so, Hot, I hot guess route, hot route, hot route. Uh, just gonna stand over there. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're a Tennessee fan and you're you've been making the jokes about trying to come to become UCF North, right? You also are kind of becoming U- USC East a little bit too because bit. uh Trimble is the third Trojan you've taken as a transfer in the past two years. Looking at Bayless Jones Jr. and then uh, Chase McGrath 
uh, obviously Bayless was last year and McGrath was, uh, he, he's already on campus and went through spring. So and and, had, guess, it's probably going to be Tennessee. It's probably going to be Tennessee's kicker this season. So and you had Byron Moore uh, before that years ago too. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, tri- the, the Trimble edition is, is interesting because it kind of, you know, when the staff got here looking at the roster, you wouldn't have think, or you, you wouldn't think that the defensive line is a position where they would want to add a transfer. True. Um, they got some good numbers there. They got a lot of experience there, um, but that was a position that they, you know, they went after some guys. Uh, I think they went after a guy. Um, I think Ricky Barber Jr. from Western Kentucky was a guy that they looked at. Um, I think he committed to UCF. Uh, there was an Illinois Illinois State transfer. Uh, had a pretty good year, um, I think, last year, and then did some good things in, in their spring four game. I don't even know if you call it a season, but. Uh, I think John Ridgeway was his name. I think he committed to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they kind of went down the board. And, and obviously they had a connection here with uh, with uh, Trey Johnson, who works in, in Tennessee's recruiting offices. Uh, one of their kind of their I don't want to I don't want to butcher his actual title. Let me look it up here. But uh, obviously knows Tremblay, knows what he can bring. Um, there's not a lot of I don't want to say film on this guy, but. Um, you know, he, I think missed the season. Trey Johnson is Tennessee scouting coordinator on defense. There so, you go. That's the name. um, make sure I want to get that right. But, uh, Jim Blake's played three seasons at uh, USC and, and has played 18 games. He only started three games. I think he's only totaled like 21 tackles. So, um, I think there was a season he missed, um, because of an injury. And obviously this past season, the PAC 12 barely played half a season. So, yeah. Uh, that's where you get that total. Um, he was a four-star prospect coming out of junior college um, in 2018. So he was uh, in, a, in a 24-7 sports composite. He was number 12 overall among all junior college prospects and, and number five uh, among junior college defensive tackles. So kind of highly rated for a JUCO guy a couple years ago. Um, and, and so uh, he's not the biggest guy. I think he was listed at 6'5", 270. So maybe a little bit of an undersized guy. Maybe he's more of a uh, a defensive end that's not the the Tyler Barron Byron Young position that, yeah. that's going to be in this front. I'm not sure that's such a bad thing for them because they you know they they had loaded up there on on some really big dudes there when they were playing True. a lot of that three down stuff. So I mean they they probably could use a smaller, quicker. I, I I see the fit there. I mean even if this guy's not a star, I I see the fit there and I see where he could contribute. Right, and, and I think it's telling. I think he only has one year of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, I mean, if you were going to take a guy on the defensive line, you would think given that Tennessee already has five seniors on the defensive line, they're going to be losing after the 2021 season. You would think they would at least take a guy with a little bit more of a long-term, uh, who maybe be a more of a long-term factor, but you know, if this is a one-year rental, uh, what, what does that say about, uh, what Josh Heupel and Rodney Garner more specifically think about Tennessee's defensive line? Probably not the, the strongest endorsement of that group, which, it's disappointing. Uh, it's interesting. I think it's disappointing too because we saw it, Pat. I mean, we saw what two, um, w- w- you know, you saw the at least the beginning periods of a lot more practices than, than the rest of us. I, I saw like a lot of other people. I saw the open practice and I saw um, uh, at least film <laughs> from the spring game because I had the uh, the food poisoning epidemic shutdown, whatever that was. That was a disastrous weekend. But you look at it. And you kept hearing, and I know you said it a few times. I saw it certainly throughout. I, I spent a lot of time watching the line of scrimmage during the open practice. And, and Garner, he's an aggressive coach, but but some of the, the some of the words he chooses to use when going after those defensive linemen. I mean, not to get too specific, but he's challenging them a lot, saying, you know, basically in, in some words, you, you're, you're not you're not doing what you need to be doing here. Does anybody want to get better today? Does anybody want to? you know, help, uh, you know, how could you be not be this athletic? I mean, he gets after him. And, and that sounded to me like a guy who was, was wanting reinforcements. Yeah. And, and, and they've gone and gotten one. Will they go get another one? Will they go get somebody with uh, maybe a little bit more um, eligibility left? You know, there's a couple guys from Auburn that have gone into the portal since Tremblay committed. Mm-hmm. Jaron Handy's one of them. I think he was a former top 100 guy. Then obviously Jay Hardy, who's a, a very familiar name for Tennessee fans. Uh, was at Macaulay in Chattanooga. Tennessee thought they were getting him. Uh, turns out he had signed with Auburn, didn't tell anybody, or at least didn't tell Tennessee, and they were still kind of recruiting him after he'd signed. That whole fiasco. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, the staff that was here for Tennessee is gone now, and the, and the defensive line coach that probably had a role in him doing that is now at Tennessee. So it's funny <laughs> how the, you know, that plays out. But 
Uh, I don't know if that's going to be somebody they're going to go after, but um, you know, they're seeing even, you know, we're doing this Monday night right now. uh, There's still a trickle of guys going into the portal even today. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Tennessee doesn't have a lot of spots left, but uh, you know, if if they decide to use those spots and not hold them back for any part of, uh, for any part of any sort of scholarship production anticipation or, um, you know, doing that, you know, trying to get that out of the way now, um, you know, do they still go after a defensive line? Is that a position that they still think they need to, you know, to work on? So, um, that, that's the big thing, you know, that was sort of the interesting thing to me with, with taking Tremblay is that, like I said, you know, a couple months ago, you would think that they would be okay with the offensive line, but clearly having seen what they had in the spring, uh, and, and Josh Heibel didn't even hide after the spring game. He was like, yeah, that, that's a position where we need some more depth and we might add the guy there. I mean, he, he was pretty open about that. Yes, he was. Um, after the spring game. And, and he's not um, hes not always open about stuff like that, but he was pretty candid about that. And, and at, in that setting, it made sense because they had, what, like five guys out, right? I mean, Elijah Simmons, Aubrey Solomon, um, Greg Emerson were, were not involved. Uh, Latrell Bumpus was out all spring. I think he's a guy that, that's going to be a factor when they get to the fall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Daryl Middleton was uh, – something's going on there. I don't know if it's going to be temporary or not, but um, – you know, you, you saw they you know, you take all those guys out of it and they had a walk on with the second second team defense. So that that sort of illustrates the depth that they kinda of don't think they have. But um so I love to see how if that position develops anymore. Do they take anybody else? Do they lose anybody else? That's always a possibility. Um so and, and of course they've already lost Isaac Washington. It wasn't a factor this spring anyway because he was suspended, but uh, still, that's another body that they that they're not going to have. But yeah, and and they're dropping the names are dropping pretty quick from from that incident that happened with some of the suspension stuff. So I, I don't I don't want to speak uh, for something to which I'm not 100 percent certain at this point. But I I don't think it's difficult to put two and two together on some of these decisions. And, and what I'm trying to say is, you know, get to the point, Wes. I'm I'm trying to say I'm not 100 percent convinced, Pat, that 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 this was. These guys want just just these guys wanting to leave. I I think that whatever happened there, um, the off the field incident there with the dorm, I whatever it was, I think some people at UT were bothered enough by it where I'm not sure those kids had a choice but to go to the portal. Yeah, that, that's how that's how I kind of understand the situation as well. Obviously, the only charges that have been brought forth were drug charges, possession, mm-hmm. all that, that stuff is all misdemeanor. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, Tennessee University came out and said that there was a burglar and assault um, in, in Stokely Hall. Which changes the calculus quite a bit. Yeah, and obviously the, the arrests that were made, I think, the next day or two days later were in connection to that, uh, to that incident. There's not been any charges related to those things. But uh, as you said, I, I don't, as I understand it, I don't think Martavius French or Isaac Washington, um, I, I, don't, I don't think that they – had a really, uh, I think this choice was sort of made for them. Um, and I, I know some of the reaction um, last week when those guys went in the portal was, oh, they're, they're trying to get out before they get got. Well, they may not have a choice, right? So, yeah. And, um, I, and I don't know that, and I don't know that that's a, a football program decision either. I think that might be sort of a, a university level decision. And, uh, and that, that naturally brings the question, well, what's going to happen with Aaron Willis? What's going to happen with Caden Salter? Um, I still think those guys will be back. Um, there's, as I understand it, there were different levels of involvement in the incident. That's absolutely correct. Um, yes, and so that I think is is how you're seeing it play out. So, well, the stuff with Salter uh, was dropped with prejudice. So that's 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 a big deal. I mean, that's well, just saying that that's that's to me that's for I know that's legalese, but for people who know the like the legal stuff, that's you know that 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 changes things. And, you know, it, just to dropping it with prejudice is is pretty significant. I think. And even then, you know, you and I have covered college football long enough to know that if you get hit with a misdemeanor, most of the time you're going to be okay. In a if lot you of states, yes, in a lot of states it's legal now. And you know, my personal opinion is that, and I have no problem saying this, I think it should be legal everywhere. It's not, so you have to go by the law of your state, and so it is illegal. But my point is, in this era that we live in now, one simple misdemeanor arrest for marijuana is not going to get you kicked off. This is not, you know, uh, you know, uh, what Herman Boone or whatever from, uh, remember the Titans. I mean, this isn't like a one shot you're out deal. I mean, it's not the world we live in now. It would not be that there is, there's something else there very clearly. And there's, you know, yeah. And and my point 
was going to be that, you know, most of the time you can get, you can survive a misdemeanor. Yeah. That'll be, you know, that's the whole handled internally. We'll deal with it situation. Um, it's the felonies that a, a lot of times players don't survive. Yep. Um, you know, we saw it with Kevon Bennett. Um, I don't know what those charges ended up getting brought down to, but, um, and in this case, there's haven't been any charges brought against any of these players based, you know, relating to the, the burglary and the assault part of it. So, yeah, but the, yeah, there's still um, the student conduct makes, boards and all these other right, things. But that makes me wonder if this happens on another, on other SEC campuses, are these guys leaving? You know, I think that's fair to wonder. Um, sure. and, and so the, that part makes me wonder if it's not on, you know, these guys are sort of on the wrong end of an unfortunate break, but at the same, uh, on the same point though, don't put yourself in that position to where your decision on your future is kind of taken out of your hands. Yeah. Um, and don't and do so, that. Don't do that with a new coaching staff and don't do that at a place where you've got a program that's getting ready to get hit, hit pretty hard by the NCAA for, for, for some violations. Don't, you know, know your audience, right. know your audience. Right. And, and, and it's, un, it's unfortunate because, you know, Martavius French is, is, you know, as we talked about, I think in, in the other podcast about John Mitchell was a guy that was a four-star prospect. I know the previous staff thought he had a pretty good ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the new staff had any idea what, what he could do because they never got to see him on the field. Uh, you know, but a guy you're losing there. And then, you know, Isaac Washington was, um, you know, he wasn't a highly rated guy and sort of a, a mystery because he didn't play a senior season because North Carolina played in the spring and he enrolled early. But, um, you know, I liked his film. He was a guy that played a sort of a smaller classification of football over there. And he, he was pretty much the best player on the field and could tell and played like it. So that, that's what you want to see when, uh, when you when you see a guy that's got SEC level talent playing against guys that he's bigger, stronger, faster than, um, and and you know there were times where on his film he's just about unblockable when he's in the backfield before his offensive tackle get, even gets out of his stance. But uh, and he and on top of that he was a guy that Rodney Garner wanted at Auburn at one point. So um, I think that should tell you a little bit about what talent he potentially could have. But you know, but those guys have taken themselves out of the equation um, with, with what they've. Uh, with their decisions they've made and 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 we can we can probably lump Aaron Beasley in there too because I, I don't know if he's going to get charged with anything but that might not matter um, that's a totally different deal but again it's a situation where you know one decision can you know you take yourself out of the control of the situation um, and, and you throw something away that that's you know that you shouldn't be throwing away and and we've seen it happen enough times where you're just like man come on guys yeah. You got a great opportunity to, to better yourself, better your future. We just saw the draft. These guys are, you know, taking care of their families with their ability to play football. And it's like, you know, what you know, you have to you have to make those decisions better. And so um, yeah, that that's you know, we Tennessee's obviously been hit pretty hard with the portal. A lot of it has been guys choosing to leave on their own. I don't think that this situation with French and Washington is the same thing, but um, in any case, it's two young players that um it's just more prob- hits on this roster. We're probably that- going to help you. Both of them were. Let's be honest. Both were probably going to help. And, you. and even if they weren't going to help in 2021, maybe they're 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 guys that emerge down you know down the future. That you know this is a development year for them. Obviously, French was you know he didn't play last season. There were only a few guys in that class last year that didn't get on the field. Um, but you know this was supposed to be his first full off season in the program with the new staff. They mm-hmm. see what they they have in him. Uh, his two Whitehaven teammates are doing really well. I think the staff likes both Bryson Easton and Tamari McDonald, and yep. he's, you know, unfortunately taken himself out of the, you know, the chance of those guys to actually play together, which is unfortunate because I know talking to them around this time last year, they were all really excited about that opportunity. So um, that sucks. And, and, you know, with, with the defensive line with Washington, again, as we sort of touched on it with Tremblay, they've got five seniors. So I don't, you know, I don't know how many underclassmen they have off the top of my head. Um, let me go look up our scholarship distribution page, which is something that if you're listening and don't know about, you should check it out. Yes, it's very um, cool. Hashtag plug. Um, you know, they got Dominic Bailey, Amari Thomas, Elijah Simmons, Greg Emerson, and Craig Garland. That's that's it. That's the guys you got right now. I mean, I think Trinity Bell might be a defensive lineman and it's um, such down a, the road. It's such a hard position to recruit to because right. anybody who weighs 270, 280 plus and is athletic is going to have a lot of opportunities to play football. And that's what stings right. about losing a guy like Washington is because it's just so hard to get those guys on your campus because everybody wants them. Even if they're you know guys who are high upside guys and you're taking for the future – 
the best programs in the country still do that. They will go take chances on guys like that because that it's just hard to find guys who can do that. So I mean, it goes back to that old what the Joe Paterno quote was about. You know, which team do you like better? Well, the one's got the better defensive tackles. So I, I mean, that's just it's a it's a it, tough position to recruit, tough position it, to play. It's just it's when you when you get them, you don't want to lose them for no reason. Right, and, and even beyond a, a, a quality standpoint, just the quantity. Right, I mean, you have five underclassmen defensive linemen on your roster right now. Um, so that that's you know maybe Bryson Eason grows into one of those defensive ends uh, at, at some point, but might have to. Um, and and again, uh, you know that it looks daunting, but again, you can go and get a couple couple transfers this time or in January next year, and and probably both that situation be okay. But uh, that that you know that's to me that those those two departures um, are are not necessarily going to change what the expectations or the record might be for Tennessee in 2021, but uh, they're players that for the future uh, developmental kind of players that, you know, he, he, Tennessee probably would like to see what they turned out to and they're not, you know, turned into, but they're not going to get that opportunity because uh, of, of an off-field decision they've made and, and sort of a rush of blood that's that's costing their future here with the Vols. Yeah, I thought that's, a good, that's a good way to wrap up that discussion, Pat. I think the way you put it is, is really good. It, it's you can talk all day long about what would be happening at another SEC campus. Would another SEC program do this, or what? A, you know, certain Big Twelve programs do this. And guys, I, I got to tell you, there might be some validity to that argument, but it's irrelevant because you, you, you don't put yourself in that it position. Didn't happen there. <laughs> you, you don't. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's it happened at Tennessee. And that it's if if these guys had not put themselves in this position, they might not be having. They certainly wouldn't have, them to, you know, be to, to to deal with these consequences. So that's a good place to put that. And before we step out of here, Pat, you know, when you look at the speaking of scholarship distribution, you know, if if you are Tennessee staff, and I know best player available is the is the catch all, and it's it's the best argument to make in terms of, well, this roster needs a lot of help in a lot of places, so you go best available. But if you've got a couple spots on this roster where you say, you know what, if a guy comes out there in the portal and he's a decent player and you get a chance to take him, you should take him because you need to at these positions, what positions would you name? Because I would think uh, still linebacker is one that you would have to look at, and I would think defensive line is still one you'd have to look at, and possibly, possibly offensive tackle, just throwing that out there. Uh, I would probably stick on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I think anytime, if, if there's any sort of guy that comes out as a playmaker, whether it's a pass rusher, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's a guy in the secondary, I think they could probably use another cornerback. You know, that's another situation that's uh, – I know linebackers gotten a lot of attention, but they're they're very thin at cornerback too. Uh, they've got a pretty good, you know, top line there with uh, Alante Taylor, sort of a, a proven guy that's played a lot of football. I think Warren Burrell had a really good spring. Um we talked a little bit about Kenneth George earlier. I think he's a solid guy. You could I think he's plug a, in there if I, you I need to. I still think he's to, a but, good player. I still think he's a good player. But beyond that, with you know, in the second team defense, most of the spring it was uh, either Tyus Fields, who might have just been playing cornerback out of necessity, or it might have been you know a walk on. So not a lot of depth there. Um, you know, they will get uh, Deshaun Rucker. I think is supposed to uh, you know come in on the uh, you know with the with the few summer guys that they have coming in. Usually they've got. 10 to 12 signees coming in in the summer, but if he's anywhere near as good as Jake Rucker is at baseball, they're, they're in good, they're in good shape there. Yeah. yeah the, but you know, just the numbers normally around, you know, at the end of this month, you're getting 10 to 12 new players you know, as the rest of your signing class gets here. Well, he's got, I think what, six outstanding signees right now. And one of them is Trini Bell. And he's, you know, he's probably not gonna be a factor this year because of the torn ACL. So uh, it's, um, and, and maybe they, you know, they didn't rule out Christian Charles potentially still playing cornerback, although they played him at safety. I think he looks probably better as a safety um, just from seeing a little bit of him and watching him move around a little bit. But um, if there's a cornerback that comes available, you know, maybe you make that work. There's a couple of, um, you know, Donovan Kaufman, I think was a safety from Vanderbilt. That's been that Tennessee's reached out to I think he'll probably end up at Auburn where Derek Mason is obviously mm-hmm. played for Derek Mason, pretty obvious connection yeah, there. Yeah. Um, Major Burns, which, I don't know if that's a great name for a defensive back, but uh, this guy that's leaving Georgia, I don't think he's in the portal yet, but I think he announced on Monday that he's leaving. Um, we got asked about him, and I think you know, I think LSU is probably the guy, the team to beat there because he's from Baton Rouge, and I think he was uh, committed to them at one point. So uh, if there's a defensive back, maybe a versatile guy that can play a lot of positions, maybe that uh, if one of those guys is out there or still available, then 
or, or comes into the portal in the next couple weeks, uh, you can get him in before the start of the summer school. Maybe, maybe that's a direction you go, but like you said, I agree. If you, you know, if you've got, um, a, a spot or two left and, and they've already got five transfers lined up with, um, Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, Juwan Mitchell, uh, Tremblay and McGrath. Um, if you've got a couple more spots left, I think I'd probably go best available, but I would go best available on defense. Um, and I think that might be, I still, I still think think that might be how the, I still think an offensive tackle, if it's the right one, a guy who could play tackle, but of course, if he's a guy who could play tackle, he's probably not going in the portal in a lot of cases, if he's, unless he's been in trouble or something. So. That's a, that's another tough position to recruit to, but I just when I look at Tennessee's offensive line, I still see a whole lot of guards and and not enough tackles. But you're right. I mean the the, the gaping holes are on defense. I'm talking about, you know, maybe making some some tweaks here or there on offense. But but that might be like okay, you could use a tweak here. But uh, the the defense is on fire. You've got the the house, the building is on fire. The structure is collapsing. You're gonna need help on defense. So I think that's probably the right way to put it. I I, I, I was gonna make an argument for offense, but I think the the defensive side is there's some issues I there. I don't know if you saw it earlier on Monday, but uh, a familiar name for us. Uh, I don't know if you remember old big old Tony Fair. Oh yeah, he's in the portal now, Wes. Hmm. Uh, Tony Fair is a played at UAB. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big man. That that is a that is a large mammal. That uh, is, I think he's listed at like six three three thirty. So uh, you want to put him and Elijah in there, and and their teams run up the middle against you. That, that, you can that, at least take that away. That's a four man front just with two guys. Is what that is. <laughs> that's like two cinder blocks with appendages right there in the middle of the line. Just perfect. Just like which one's going to play the nose? Who cares? Just line them up next to each other. You and you get you get two defensive tackles and a nose guard from those two guys. I like it. Let's roll. They'll do du- they'll do double zero technique right both over the center. He is <laughs> Tony Ferris. Probably if we had to make a list of favorite random guys that our staff has discussed who played for other teams uh, that j- were just random. I think Tony Fair would have to be on that Mount Rushmore because he was one who we were like, man, look at this dude. Look at this dude. Look at this dude. Look at this big guy. Look at him go. Look at him go. Look at all these plays he's making. I mean, I just – he would be on the list, I would imagine. So. 6-3-3-35. That's just a fun name. I don't know. We're not saying Tennessee's getting them, but, hey, if they need a defensive lineman, I'm saying one that we've seen in the past that's done some good things. And he's probably better than some of the guys Tennessee's got now, if we're being honest. So, yeah, I mean, here, look, we're, ju- we're doing your job for you. This is not just a Go Vols 24-7 podcast. This is, a, uh, this is like the uh, matchmaking service for the portal. That's what this is. We're saying, listen, we're, we're, we can make it happen. We can make it happen. You know, these two could be destined to be together. So if you're listening out there, and we know you are, Tennessee, go out there and do that. That's a good place to end it. Pat, you bring us it? Tony Fair. We bring us him. Tony Fair and let us talk to him. And even if he's a bad interview, we'll make him a good one. Don't worry about it. Just, 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 just give us the dude and let us talk to him. We can make it work. He doesn't have to be Elijah. He doesn't have to go out there and sing and dunk and do all these other magical things like big Elijah does. But he could go out there and still do some things. Pat, you got anything else? I think we're good. I think we are good. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. I know it's been kind of a crazy day with everything going on, but thank you for, uh, thanks for, uh, for squeezing this in. Definitely. Enjoyed it. If I could find the button, this is always a difficult thing to do. There it is. Thank you all for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We always do. We always say that, but we're not just saying it. We mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. But he's not here, so we can say he sucks. So, yeah, you suck. Take that. If you want just Tennessee news nothing else, get that at Twitter.com slash GoVoss247. Or you can go to Facebook.com slash GoVoss247, where we have all kinds of good stuff there. Pretty much updated around the clock, every hour, all day long. Tons and tons of good stuff on there. But if you want that that most delicious, pure East Tennessee Mountain Spring water just right from the tap, that that, that, that Ronnie Mills sat Smoky Mountain Rain, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get your coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, where Vitello and those guys have it going on, heading down into the postseason, or I guess I should say the business end of the regular season. Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. we got a couple forums running around the clock, as the name says, 24-7. You can go to the checkerboard, or you can go to the summit, where as long as it's not political or religious in nature, guys, fire away. We are open to discussing anything except for those two topics all day, every day. 
Because, you know, you still, people, we're getting out there and everything. We don't have to do as much as much quarantine and everything these days. But you still want to have like a, there's still times where it's not quite normal, right? You got to do some more stuff remotely, digitally. You want that digital water cooler experience. Go get that on our forums right there at GoVols247.com. And you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That will get you all of that. And if you pay us a full price, which is, again, really, really, really cheap, if you do that, then you get access in perpetuity. As long as you're a full paying member with us, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, and it's got a ton of stuff on there. Everything, every show CBS has ever made, commercial free, new movies every single month, like all the Indiana Jones movies are on there. Go check those out. All of them for free right there. You get every, you get, uh, you get live sports, you get Tennessee sports, you get NFL, you get uh, PGA Tour. You get uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all kinds of fun stuff with those things heading to the business end of their seasons. Tons and tons of good stuff on there. And you get things from the uh, from basically the files of, let's see if I can get this right. You got Comedy Central, you got MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian. So everything from like cartoons with the kids to the Chappelle show and sports and everything in between. That's a $100 plus annual value that we will give you for free can't beat that deal guys you can't beat that deal go check it out govols247.com you will not regret it and if you do regret it frankly that says more about you than us and and i don't want to get into your psychological profiling but um if you don't like it then the problem's not with us it's with you because we're awesome so go do that until then guys uh keep 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 the distance socially if you can uh get the vaccine if you can please we're so close to getting through this we're so close, guys. The, the numbers are looking great. We're doing great. Proud of everybody sticking in there. But uh, let's let's tone it down a little bit. Let's let's be nice to each other. Let's be cool. We can do that. You should see us again Thursday. So until then, peace out. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.